Hello, everyone. I'm good Nick. morning, good afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. I'm Ash. Um, and we're just two homosexuals that really love horror movies and we want to talk about it. I mean, that's a fucking fact. That is a fact. And as we hinted at last time, if you were listening, which I hope you were, we are going to be discussing the cult classic from 1983, the original Sleepaway Camp. Um, Ooh, and it is, it's a, it's a doozy. Yeah. Um, I'm just, in researching this film, I am shocked. I'm not <laughs> appalled. I'm not appalled, but so I just, I'm, I'm slightly dismayed. Maybe yeah. more than slightly. I'm, um, I'm dismayed. I mean, you know, to remind you again that we are homosexuals. As a member of the LGBT, you know, A plus community, um, there's a lot of themes here that, you know, ring our bells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're uh, not gonna, we're not gonna do any spoilers. Yeah, I mean, but, we'll leave it up to you to like kind of um, uh, untuck this, if you would. <laughs> Ooh, creative choice of words. Thank you. I'm trying. It's a little early. So mm-hmm. like 11 in the morning. So right. I mean, I will say I've been up for hours. I've, Same. I've yeah. freshly showered. I've I've eaten my breakfast. So oh. I'm as bushy tailed and bright eyed as a camper would be. Ooh, good, uh, good, <laughs> good, uh, good options for your day for your Saturday. Yeah, yeah it's a Saturday. Um, I just there's no information about the person who wrote this film, about his personal life that I can find anywhere. Um, Other than the fact that he graduated from, you know, um, a school of the arts. He wrote this film, he directed this film, and now he is a partner at a New York City law firm, you know, so. That's like, Based on what I know about this movie and the things that I find problematic, I'm troubled by that, but not at all surprised. Right. So my 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 question is, is he also a homosexual? I mm-hmm. by the way, I'm gonna keep saying homosexual like homosexual because I can. Because, um, <laughs> I mean it, it it's it's your vocabulary, you do with it as you please. Mm-hmm. So, because because watching this film again, like no spoilers, but this came out in 1983, and I understand like the children. You know, obviously, if you are finding now as you grow up that you're intrigued by the horror genre, of course, perhaps you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp. But anyone like our age, like 90s children, even like early 2000s children, the aughts, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I don't feel so bad if we spoil a specific plot point for you yeah um, um it's it's children. very specific um also i didn't see sleepaway camp till like super late in life uh-huh like, it wasn't it wasn't something that like um i don't think it was very much like a parental guidance thing because hi latchkey children of the 90s but it was more of like um like an accessibility issue truth yeah i don't I don't recall ever seeing this on the shelf of the blockbuster. No, this is one of those like um, one of those like sleeper hits, and mm-hmm. no, ended obviously. 
But it was like one of those movies that gained traction as a cult classic, probably as we were in our early teen years, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think it has a major um, instance to do with the potential spoiler slash plot point. Exactly. Because I think... It's very abrupt and it's very... There is nothing leading up to that that you're like, oh, I saw that coming. And... Oh, this is like a ripoff of Friday the 13th because it's at a sleepaway camp. But then they tried to ump the ante and all they did was make it like ridiculous and stupid. Um, Where now I watch it and I'm like, I understand why it's a cult classic. I do. Um, But it's problematic. So I think what I would like to do is just kind of like. Do you want to um? Do you want to unpack that duffel bag of problems, if you would, if we're gonna take a trip to sleepaway camp together? Exactly. So I wanna wanna give yeah. I wanna give a, a brief skeleton of where I'd like to go with this conversation, okay. and then we'll go there. Um, I mean, we've kind of already talked about what this movie is, et cetera. So that's check mark. Um, I just kind of want to go through the plot through the movie as if we were watching it point by point. I cannot guarantee we're going to hit all the points in order, but then I would like to have the first official round of our segment that I'd like to call That's Iconic, where we discuss briefly or in depth, whatever, you know, wherever the wind blows, our, our favorite part of the movie that is like, you know, the... The LGBT, like, yas moment, you know? Yes, um, I have a feeling. I have a feeling what we're going to say about that is the same, but we'll see. Um, okay, yeah. So anyway, Sleepaway Camp comes out in 1983. Um, everybody's like, oh, it's in the woods. People are getting stabbed. It's a slasher fic. It's basically like uh, uh, Friday the 13th, right? Um, apparently, it was also released in other parts of the world as Nightmare Vacation. Oh, that title doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I mean, even if it doesn't, I'm kind of intrigued. And if I saw that at the Blockbusters, I would have immediately grabbed that. I would have been like, oh, yes, take me on this nightmare vacation with yeah. you. I mean, if I know I'm in, if I know that I'm already in for a horror movie, I will say both of those titles are good. Oh, I think, absolutely. I, I, I certainly think Sleepaway Camp gets closer to the point of this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would call what these children go on a vacation at all. No. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare, but also, it. Um, I, growing up as a less than affluent individual, I did not go to sleepaway camp. Uh-huh. That was not a thing that we did. Um, so this to me is like, oh, is that what y'all do at the sleepaway camps? You pull, yeah. pr- you pull pranks on each other and you're just bitchy and mean because like, hi, I'll pass. Yeah. Because like, I, I can already get that in school. Like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm already getting that regularly. Yeah. Like if I can't afford a vacation, you know what I'll do? I'll go on a staycation and I'll stay in my house. Same, and, I'll stay in my house. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be fine. Like, that's yeah. great. Like, I don't want to. My dirty sweatpants are going to have a great time. 
Absolutely. With, with or without sunshine, I don't really care. You're basically describing a good portion of my 20s. Like, hello, you know? I'm describing a good portion of my right now. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, me too. Uh, so, yeah. whatever. Sleepaway camp. There is a longer than it needs to be opening sequence. Oh, my God. I totally get that they want to do all of the credits first. It's still in that vein of movie where they do that. Um, again, as we kind of briefly talked about last time, you know, a part of the OG, like, quote, horror movies, especially, like, the Universal Monsters and any movie, you know, in that, in that uh, era, all the credits came first. Those sequences were, you know, a little bit annoying, but they weren't like 10 freaking minutes long like it is in this movie. Oh my God. I really do think it's legit 10 minutes long. It's like the longest opening sequence I think I've ever experienced in any film. Yeah. Not just horror. Just like, it's almost excruciating to sit through. And, and, and like after a while, you see the locations that they are, you know, portraying in the background repeat. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thank um, you. <laughs> but I get it. Like, I, I it, it took me until this last time that I watched it to understand that this was supposed to be like now, like, oh, this place is shut down. We're gonna find out why. Um, the first, however many times I saw this movie, I thought it was literally just like stock photos of camping areas, and I was like. Stop it. Please. I mean, if we want to be honest, it's pretty on brand with this movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. So so we discover everyone in this movie, everyone who's worked on this movie. I am glad that they get their credit. Um, they could have been a little bit more creative. Maybe just picked up the pace a little bit. Whatever. That's not one of the issues I have with this film. It's just a gripe. So that's that. And now, hi, couple of minutes into the actual action I already have a problem and here is my <laughs> problem um this boat scene with the oh, two God. Scenes, yeah um and we're, we're meant to believe that you know it's Angela and her little brother and the father maybe but then there's this other guy on the shore and you don't really get a great description of what's going on. Like at all. Like at all. Whatsoever. So, random people in a boat. Cool. Um, and then, oh, they're by a sleepaway camp. Um, here we go. And there's this girl uh, water skiing who's clearly out of her mind, petrified of water skiing. Um, and... The girl wants to drive the boat, the the first, like, hoey, girly, whatever, uh, camp counselor. And, and then here's my problem with this scene. She's like, come on, let me drive, let me drive, let me drive. The guy's like, no, you can't do it. Hashtag, I'm a man, you're a woman. But then he's like, okay, fine, you can do it. And then guess what happens? Then they have the accident, right? Of course. Of course, <laughs> that asshole decides to crash and burn. Um, so are we trying to portray the fact that women can't drive? 
I'm a little bit sore about all feminist issues. I am a feminist diehard. I am a gay man who married another gay man who worships the the idea of the female that the female gives life to the human race, which not lies. Not um, lies. But um but also, you know, I did marry a lady, so Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're on the same page. Page. Definitely. Jinx Yomiasona. Um You have plenty in your fridge. <laughs> This is truth. <laughs> Plenty of Diet Coke in our fridge. <laughs> um, so I'm sure somebody is going to be like, no, you're a snowflake. And maybe I am a snowflake, um, whatever. But um, I'll take unnecessary. it. Like unnecessary that uh, we let the woman drive for a minute and then this horrific accident happens. Um, and I feel like in general, a three a theme throughout this movie for me is that I'm trying to pin down the writer's, you know, point of view. And it's jumping all over the place because there's conflicting themes throughout. Like, are you a misogynistic asshole? Like, (laughs) I should expect you to be in the 80s? Oh, absolutely. Are you a pioneering gay man who... Maybe, you know, it's the 80s. You just had a few hiccups, um, you know, little trips, if you will, um, as you took your little marathon run of this movie down the lane. Um, I I can't put my finger on it. And it's very aggravating, right? I mean, that's that's my genuine feel about this entire movie. It's very aggravating. It is. It's very Um, aggravating. And, like, I'm not mad at it. That's... And that's what troubles me is that this movie is aggravating and problematic, but I'm still sitting here watching it and I'm enjoying it. Exactly. Because the last time I watched it, I was texting you the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all I was saying was how problematic of an experience it was for me. But Mm -hmm. the whole time I was also like, I understand why this is a piece of cult cinema. Like I do, I get it. Um, So it's just a lot of conflicting feelings. So anyway, boat crash. The question mark dad of the two children die. Um, and then one of the kids die. And mm-hmm. we're meant to believe it's the father and the son that, you know, passed away in this horrific boat accident, which no blood anywhere. I don't understand. No. How that works, but whatever. Um, And then there's this other random man in a very small bathing suit and (laughs) apparently the little girl that uh, survived. And there's like screaming and like a flash forward to, I don't know what, an interior of a clown's mind, maybe. I'm very, (laughs) it's like. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's almost like. Phantasm meets a clockwork orange. Oh, gross. One's bad acid trip. I don't know. But we we meet the aunt who is just the most eccentric. I Um, hate her. I hate her on so many levels. You know who she reminds me of? Um, Coraline's weird mom in that alternate dimension with the fucking button eyes. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's who exactly she reminded yeah. me of, and I was like, I am uncomfortable. Like very any, much so. Any character like this archetype, they seem nice, but every word they say is drawn out in such a way that you can't tell if it's true or if they're being sarcastic. Um, like you can't. Or it's just terrible acting. Yes, or that. I mean, I think in this case, it's probably a part, partly both of those things. Um, But like, what did the director say to this woman? Can you just be the craziest (laughs) version of a woman that you can think of and also pretend that you're high? Like, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Um, but, But my concern is she very quickly establishes the fact that she is a doctor, that she is a psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. Don't you don't you tell anybody where you got these physicals from? Exactly. She and that was my first med- tip off, like, watching it again of the, the weird yeah. thing that happens. I was like, oh, bitch, I see you. The weird thing that happens in, in, in the... In the last parting moments of this movie. Oh, literally in the last parting moments. Like, oh, right before will, credits. We will get there. I promise. Um, so she's Worth talking about prescribing meds. You know, like, she can give meds if she needs. She can, like, you know, fake physicals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so she's not a psychiatrist I would want to go to. No, she's pretty um, quacky. I don't know if she has a practice, but if she does, how? Um, so I also hope it's not like an in-home practice because that place is fucking gaudy. It's and like it's just my eyes, like it's shot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of um, natural light that I didn't ask for. Right. So then, so then, um, you know, she's she's doing that thing where she's she's both thinking out loud. And then doing that turn to the camera where she's oh. doing an internal monologue, but also out loud. Oh, I hate it. Um, I hate it like, so much. Oh, we can't have that. And it's like everything oh. she's doing, every body movement is just like, I am attempting to be a bad actress. And I'm sure that was a part of what she was trying to do. So that part, kudos, she does it well. But um, I I could talk about her specifically for hours, so I have to cut myself off. Yeah, she's um, she's a problem on so many levels. I, ha- I have one more. I have one more thing to say about her. The fucking beret. Why? Why? Okay. Why? <laughs> That's it. We'll move on now. Um, so Ricky, we can move on. I'll internally fixate upon that. But okay. Exactly. Yeah. So so Ricky comes down the stairs. Which who is Ricky? Oh, it's this this aunt's son. Cool. So. Uh, mind you, I don't think we really know even who the woman is at this point, but then all of this is clicked into place and is established when she summons Angela down the stairs. And she very briefly kind of just says Angela's entire life story about how after the accident and um, you came to live with us, um, you and your cousin Ricky are going to have a good time at camp, I hope. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then she gives them a bag of snacks. Um, she also, she's a validation seeker, which also is something that really annoys me because I know that sometimes I'm a validation seeker myself, but like, bitch, these are 
children who are already running late to get on the bus to their sleepaway camp, they're not going to praise you for the snacks that you packed them in a bag. Like, shut up. Yeah. Like, thank you. Thank you for these chips and maybe an apple. Yeah. She, like, listed the whole thing. I didn't pay attention. I'm pretty sure it does not really play any big role in this movie. So we're moving on. So, so just, you know, we've had a fever dream of a few minutes with this crazy woman. Oh, um, and then flash forward, we're suddenly at the camp. Um, Ricky is very protective of Angela. Uh, you know, at this point, Angela is the, being portrayed as this doe-eyed, pretty, long-haired girl who has a sordid past that has left her very timid and afraid of the world. Um, and, I mean... That's kind of the impression that we're getting. That's cool. That's fine. Um, Almost immediately, it's like anyone at this camp who sees that she is that way wants to attack her for it. Oh, like, can we talk about that bitch Meg for a second? Yeah. So there's a couple bitches. There's, There's a few bitches. There's Meg, the camp counselor. Meg is like the HBIC and not in a good way. Right, she so is like Regina George, pack leader, like every girl I went to high school with. Right, but she is assumingly at least three to four years older in age than Angela and anyone else in Angela's bunk. So why is she acting like the HBIC to these children? Literally, like they don't they don't ever express age at right. all. Right. So, like, you genuinely assume that, like, Angela and and Ricky are, like, pubescent, like, yeah. 12, 13. Coming of age. Yeah. You know, like, like, it's normal that Angela doesn't have boobs yet. Like, she's at the age where she might sprout boobs at any moment. Like, um, literally at any scene in the movie, it can happen. Right. So now, speaking of boobs, let's talk about the other fucking bitch, Judy. Ugh. Really, uh, Judy. Judy, I feel for her because I know she wouldn't be acting this way if she didn't have a miserable life at home. Oh, yeah. She's looking for a place to displace all of the anger she feels inside and to feel like she has power in her life. So what does she do? She sees Angela and she's like, I found my target. But Judy, she is making it seem like everything Angela does is annoying and, like, personally offensive to her. Angela is literally doing nothing. She is sitting there. Yeah, it's, like, a personal... Everything that she does is, like, a personal attack on her. Right. So, like, a good portion of the movie is just shots of Angela sitting either in the foreground or the background of an activity going on around her and doing nothing. And to Meg and Judy, this is the most annoying thing that she could possibly do. Like, it's personally offensive to them. So they make it their, like, you know, uh, mission for the summer to make her life a living hell. Um, Sitting there and politely saying no thanks to, you know... Uh, participating in whatever sporting event or, you know, just splashing around in the lake, whatever. Seems like Angela's actually, you know, pretty nice and and a kind person and polite. So 
what is wrong with you people? Yeah, like, what's wrong with, uh, you know, this person who is clearly out of their element? Right. You know, you can tell based on, like, the conversation Ricky is having with counselors and other campers that, like, he's a seasoned vet. He's done it a couple times. Like, this is not his first rodeo. And he's like, oh, yeah, just like my cousin Angela. I don't know. She's just weird. Yeah. And, like, they see that um, the way Angela acts just even slightly indifferent towards the whole thing as, like, a personal affront to them. Mm-hmm. And they are immediately, like, targeting her and being like, this bitch gotta go because she's different and she's rude and she's bitchy and why won't she talk to us and why won't she join our clique? And it's, like, that's not... It, it's not that serious. If you're, like, like, 13. Right. So perhaps... You know, the way that you described it, that, like, she's being indifferent. Like, maybe that's what's annoying them. But either way, like, tone it down. Like, stop it. She's not doing it to you. And, like, no offense to Angela. Like, Judy's the one that just, you know, her boobs popped. You know, she's got... Oh, yeah. She's she's got a reason to wear a bra now. Um, Ricky's talking about how, you know, he dated her last summer and now he's like, you know, wow, wow, we, whoa. I don't know. What does straight boys say? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, Judy could be having the time of her life this summer, living it up as, like, a full-on hoe. Yeah, she could be living her hoe dreams. Like, she is, like, you know, 16, 17, like, trying to mack on all the fellas. And, like, good for her if that was the route she chose to take. But, no. She decided to be Krusty Krab Pizza and be, like, the rudest person on the fucking planet for no actual reason. Just because she wanted to. Exactly. And, like, I don't think it would have been hard for her to, like, convince any of those boys to go into the bushes with her and, like, do the nasty. Oh, Um, not at all. Not at all. and, And, like... She kind of comes off as saying she wants that to happen, but like Angela's in her way of that happening, and it's not the case, boo boo. No, 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 no. You're giving her way too much credit. Right. And then it turns into like, uh, the only boy she wants is Paul, but Paul's interested in Angela. Uh, But like, Paul, first off, yeah, Ricky's there. First off, Paul is a fucking dweeb. Paul looks like a discount Zach Morris, if we want to get real. I mean, clearly, they probably told them to show up on set on whatever clothes they owned. You know, like, yeah. you're, you're at camp, um, dress accordingly. Uh, we don't have a budget for wardrobe, so come as No budget at all. None. Um, and, and that would certainly explain the muscly dude always showing up in, like, a really too tight oh tank top. God. Like, what is going on? It's very, like... Um uh slater like crop top i'm gonna work out and it's like yeah. it's yeah. it's almost offensive to look at and like at least uh at least he um is there as a support for these children the muscly dude um oh for sure but like what is like what is this camp and like that's overall one of the big issues like what is this hot mess of a camp like these children are not safe and it wouldn't matter if there was a serial killer on the loose or not these children are not safe 
Right? In any in any capacity, not like safety regulations, none of that even like is even discussed. Right. But that brings me maybe to your next point of um, you know, the whole the whole kitchen staff, if you would. Ding, ding, ding. That was my next point. Congratulations. I'm so glad. Thank yes. you. So continue. Um, so the whole the whole kitchen staff is like um problematic in many ways including like you know okay so the scene that like got me while i was re-watching it was like all these kids are like getting off the bus and they're like running down the hill and they're like yeah we're going to our bunk we're gonna have a good summer and like this creepy ass like head cook guy is standing there smoking a cigarette and i'm pretty sure the term he uses is like there's no such thing as too young Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm immediately like, <gasps> gross. Right. And like, like insert, insert any obligatory child molester line. There's nothing as too young. We got some fine looking fresh meat here, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But like casting did a really good job with that dude because he's uh, gross as shit. No offense to the actor. I'm sure he's no, in the fully world. offense to that guy. Like, <laughs> oh, So there's him. And then there's, like, I, I'm assuming the assistant cook, the black guy, who basically chuckles and roll his, rolls his eyes at every comment this guy makes. So guess what, sir? You're an enabler. You're yeah. enabling this gross-ass man. I just did a quick, quick Google, if you would. Um, gross-ass man, number one, is called Artie, which is gross. <sighs> um, and supporting Grosso is Ben. Like, Artie is just foul plus. Let's put it that way. In all my years of horror, I've never actually been as grossed out by a human being as I am by Artie. Like, he's gross. He's really he's, gross. Yeah, on many levels. Um, So he, like, you know, kind of corners Angela in the stock room, and he's, like, about to do the nasty on this, like, 12-year-old or whatever. And then, you know, Ricky does his vigilante justice. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And, like, you know, chases him out. Let me say this. Poor Ricky. This kid, like, he gets a shit show this entire film. Like, yes. He's like the literal punching bag for this entire movie. And yeah. So, like, Artie is trying to, like, bang this 12 year old, and, and Ricky does his due diligence of, like, taking care of his sweet, innocent cousin. And then. Bum, 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 cut to the scene of, like, Artie getting his just desserts, if you would. No other kill in the movie feels as great as that one for oh, me. Yes. So so I will say it's, it's very satisfying, um, especially because he's like, oh, man, I only got my belt unbuckled and one butt and undone on my pants. But now I'm going to punch a box of tom- uh, tomatoes or potatoes or something. Yeah. Uh, and, but then, like. I will say the deaths in this movie, or not even so much the deaths, but like the the violent scenes. Um, they start like the ideas are great, and I love them, but then they don't always end up where they should. At least for me. So especially oh, yeah. with this arty situation, like this was the only one that I felt like was really portrayed completely correctly because he, you know doesn't get to put his hand up Angela's whatever. Anything. You know, not going there. And then, you know, um, violent scene number one, he's 
boiling water for this giant pot of, I don't know, whatever. Probably he's blanching some type of vegetable. Maybe he's making mashed potatoes, which honestly, if he's making mashed potatoes from scratch at a summer camp, good on you, you know, because I would assume you're getting like boxed. Like, you know, that shit's coming from the box. You know it. Don't don't give that guy any credit. Okay. Well, then, so then <laughs> why are you boiling so much water? But regardless... Where'd you get uh, that huge-ass pot, too? That's a Where did that come from? Pot. Like, that is almost a fully grown adult human-sized pot. The pot reminds me of something, like, Wiley Coyote would order out of, like, an Acme magazine. Like, right. it and is the, so like, comically large. Yes, and it, it would arrive by airmail, and it would get dumped <laughs> on his head by accident, and he would get squished, and then go boing, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But, yeah, so so I will say... You know, his stool being pulled out from under him, the pot going on him, him getting severe, uh, what has to be third degree burns. All of that is done in an elegant, satisfying manner. He does not die there, but he's in a lot of pain. And it's remarked on that he's probably in a lot of pain. And I was like, good. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and then, like, I believe this is where we first really meet Mel, who is just... It is, yeah. What the fuck is Mel? Mel's a mess. Mel, um, I will say this. Mel is played by a actor named Mike Kellen. And fun fact, not so much a fun fact, but um, a fact about this movie. This was the last uh, full feature role for Mike Kellen before he passed away. Um, so this is his legacy, if you will. Um Ooh. I know nothing of his other work. I'm assuming... He was in... Um, quick Google search. He was in the... Uh, my dad's favorite film. Uh, Neil Diamond's The Jazz Singer. Oh, oh, well, The Jazz Singer. That's... Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, you... Yeah. So, you know, I... Either way... I'm assuming since he was a working actor, like he's been Tony nominated, he must be good. Meaning that he did what he needed to for this role for it to be the hot mess that it was. And I respect that. I really, really do. Um, but I hate Mel so much. Like he's off his hinges. He basically immediately goes into like hyper, like, um, conspiracy theorist mode and it's oh like oh my god it's like insane here like we're, we're gonna cover this up nothing happened here don't worry about it and like i think it partially has to do with the fact that like maybe the camp is not doing that well and they needed to stay open or else it's going under but like oh yeah like under the radar they got a kind of camp arawak yeah just probably gonna hit that bankruptcy <laughs> Like, like this deer has already been shot once. Like, let it die in peace. Just shoot it one more time in the head. Like, no one needs to be here. But, of course, um, as we find out more than once in this film, Mel is a hot fucking mess. And also a, also a grosso because um, there's this, like, weird relationship between, you know, HBIC Meg and Mel. And they're like gonna meet for a date and then like i'm just you know let's say angela's 12 that means judy's probably 12 13 as well meg has to be at least 
16 or 17 to be a camp counselor. Oh, for sure. But Mel is definitely in his 50s or 60s. Oh, he's like a crusty old dude. Um, And, you know, I don't like Meg, but she could certainly do better. And, like, honestly, I understand people have, like, you know, what they're attracted to. Maybe she's into daddies. I don't care. You could still do better than Mel. Mel is yucky. Mel is, like... Really disgusting. Mel is, like, your creepy upstairs neighbor that, like, when he, he, like, kind of figures out your schedule and, like, leaves when you're leaving accidentally. Right, I'm her. And then, like, he does, yeah. he, like, does that, like, weird, like, lip in his, lick in his lip thing, you know, like... Yeah. So, so that's, that's Mel. That, that's our introduction to Mel. I already He's gross. to punch him in the face. He's gross. And, and that's that. So, um... Let's let's move on from there. And this is where I already apologize. Things might not be in the correct order, but like the chunk of this movie, like the meat of this sandwich, if you will, it's all a blur. So get over it. There's uh, really, yeah, there's really no um, like dedicated, like right. overarching climax that is like, okay, this is when like the shit hits the fan because like there's, there is no fan. The camp is too poor. <laughs> right. And, like, the whole time you're trying to figure out who the killer is, if you're seeing this for the first time. Um, but there's pretty heavy hinting. Like, it's not subtle, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're trying to set up Ricky as the killer here in the, in the storyline. Um, but that doesn't make sense on a lot of levels almost immediately except for the thing that happens with Artie the cook because he was there he saw what he was trying to do to Angela he's being a protective cousin sure but then after that it's like this doesn't make sense anymore so yeah um let's put that to bed for a second because here is what I believe chronologically is my next issue with this movie so Angela you know couple of days of camp sitting around you know saying I prefer not to for all of the camp activities she sits there in, in, in her silence um, and then there's like some co-ed thing going on um, there's like I think a it's, isn't it like their dance or something oh yeah so it's like the, it's like the common like the, the rec room you know like oh, the rec room and like Angela is apparently really into eating this one candy bar as her only form of nutrition throughout the entire movie. So she's sitting there eating a candy bar and like, there's these kids there and they're like making fun of her. Like, Oh, she's crazy. Whatever. You know, like eighties movie wrong. And then Ricky's like, Hey, that's my cousin. And then like Ricky's friend, Paul is like, just kind of there. And like, that's the thing. Like, I feel as if Paul is written as like this, like, charming hero character for Angela but like he barely makes an effort first exactly like like it's almost like he's he's a reed in the wind if the wind had been blowing the other way he would have gone (laughs) in that direction you know um it just so happens the wind was blowing in Angela's direction he's like hey are you okay whatever and then do you want to go see this movie with me in the rec room another night sure they do 
um, Judy is pissed. She's like, oh, but I have boobs and I want Paul because Paul is the one that wants Angela. Wrong. Um, and that's exactly how she talks. And that's so weird. It's yeah. so weird. It's such an opulent speech for zero reason. Opulent. Yes. One of my favorite vocabulary words. But, um, and the other thing about Judy is like, like she's acting like she's a 45 year old. Like, why are you here? Yeah. Um, I will say, fun fact, the actress that plays Judy did a short film called Judy (laughs) much later on in her career, which was like a Judy going back to confront her abusive parents situation. Oh, okay. Um, I have not seen it, but I'm glad that this woman committed so hard to having Judy as a part of her legacy that she felt like she needed to do that. Um, She needed to justify Judy. Yes. And I mean, like Judy does need to be justified. um, Cause she's no judge Judy. I felt like I needed to say that. Um, Thank you. uh, Judy, whatever. So, so they're coming back from the movie, you know, let's get off this tangent. Uh, But this whole movie is tangents. That's the thing. It's like, literally, I don't know. So, so Paul is walking Angela back to the cabin and then he kisses her. Mm. And the kiss makes this flashback happen, which is. Oh, the weird clown mind thing again. Right. But like completely unrelated, like. If that's the trigger for this memory to be dislodged, I'm confused. Um, and that's one of the other things that I don't understand about this the, the person who wrote this film. So there's like all of these themes. They're not really running in parallel. It's like he was like, what big human issues have horror movies not touched upon yet? Let's smush them all together and make it happen into one weird dream sequence that doesn't mean anything right but so like that doesn't work like he didn't get that because now we're completely taken out of what's going on and the man who still was never fully confirmed to be angela and her brother's father is in bed with the guy that was on the shore in the lake scene so now we're meant to believe that their father was in a secret homosexual relationship with his friend. Um, But question, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Um, Maybe, okay, I'm going to take like a, I'm going to dip my toe in this really quick. Maybe it was that um, illusion of intimacy that like has made Angela just so fucking uncomfortable in her own body wink um Mm -hmm. that like it's that was like her like nope 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 i can't let that happen to me because i'll end up just like him dead at the bottom of the lake i don't know i I don't know the it doesn't it it doesn't it just doesn't come together neatly there's none of it does none None of of it it does does. um you know the lighting in this dream sequence is really bad it's really nauseating, the whole dream sequence and, like, the, the bed spinning thing. Yeah. I don't care for that. Like, I get it. Like, you're supposed to be in, like, this dream state and you're, like, apparently this, you know, memory from your brain is being dislodged and it's horrifying for you. Like, totally get it. Um, cool. 
but you know, without creating any super spoilers, um, I feel like I actually can't do that, but oh well, too bad. Um, <laughs> that that can't be justified as like the moment where anyone's psychological state completely snaps and goes to shit because things have already been set in motion. Oh yeah. Like she's already getting like her ass beat. So like, what's going on? Like, like we emotionally don't. and almost physically. The physical ass beating comes shortly yeah. after, but like So like so so basically is this just supposed to establish that she has, you know, repressed issues from her past? I don't know. Um but regardless, doesn't really explain anything. So she has a memory of her father kissing another man laying in bed. Cool. And that's where I'm like, where on the spectrum of things are you, Robert Hilsick, who wrote this and directed this movie? Like, are you a pioneer within the LGBT community? Or are you trying to insinuate that the homosexuality that she observed in her father is a part of her mental issues. Yeah, it could it could go either way. And I feel like the ambiguity is, like, it's really yeah. off-putting. It is off-putting, because then I'm, like, very uncomfortable with this moment. Um, and then I'm, like, super uncomfortable with the whole thing. But we can't get there yet, because that would be... It's, it's coming. It's, it's, it's coming. coming. I think, correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong... We've kind of half committed to understanding maybe we have to have a super spoiler, but it's fine. Yeah, I mean, together. just be forewarned. If you want to jump off this boat like figuratively, me, yeah, like now, now is probably the jumping off point. Right now. Like, yeah. And then, like, fast forward to the next episode, which doesn't exist yet, but we'll get there. It's coming. Um, it's coming. So, so yeah, spoiler. Let's Let's just, let's commit to this. The spoiler mm-hmm. happening from this mm-hmm. moment on. If you have warning, blaring red sirens, like it's right. happening right now. All right, give it to me. Um, obviously, for those of us who have seen this movie, Angela is the killer. Um, bum, bum, bum. um, so let's now be able to talk freely about it. I don't think that this repressed memory is what caused her to start killing people. Oh, not at all. Not so, at all. I feel like it's like, Judgy Judy being a big old bitch that, like, right. really finally pushes her. I mean, okay, so, like, the Artie thing is totally justified. She He, he got what he deserved. Right. Like, I don't think that would start, like, a serial no. killing, if you would. But I do think it's the psychological trauma that judy's inflicting upon angela that is like the actual physical trigger of her being like okay like i've had enough y'all had your fun and you know judge judy's showing up like i don't know because at the end of the day i feel like what because again nothing is explained in this movie i think overall the insinuation that i'm getting is angela who is not actually Angela, but the boy who was not killed. Angela was actually killed in a voting accident. Yeah. The boy who was being forced to live as Angela by her. Which is, which is weird, which is weird as fuck. But like crazy ass aunt is like, I already have a boy. I want a girl. 
So your name is Angela now and you're a girl. Um, problematic, obviously, but problematic for me in general because I feel like when this accident happened, those children were already at an age where a sense of self was already cemented to a point where this boy was not going to be like, oh, I'm a girl. Yeah, they were very, I want to say they were maybe even like seven-ish. Right. Like, the sense of gender identity, for the most part, I think at that age, is pretty pretty solid. Right. So, like... In, in the grand scheme of things, you kind of have a an idea of who you are or your social role, if you would. Right. And we have to remind ourselves, this is the 80s. Mm-hmm. Don't have a full grasp from a psychological perspective you know, what the motivation or lack thereof of a psychopathic or sociopathic person who does uh, get to the point of harming or killing another human being, how that happens. Um, So I think this was this movie stab at like causing a whole bunch of shit to happen in this person's life that causes them to become a killer. Um, But it was just done in a sloppy manner. Um, it was the whole thing is sloppy if you want to yeah. boil it down. I mean, yeah. So so we're jumping around here, but ultimately, like that's a big problem. And I will say again, like totally an iconic piece of horror film. Um, but I don't view it just as a straight movie. Like, okay, I can accept this anymore. Um, because there's just too many problems. It's problematic. So back to the problems. Um, <laughs> so they're at the movie. Paul's walking Angela back to the cabin. And then he kisses her, causes the cut scene. Oh, my God, my father's a homosexual. Um, but then she's like, no, stop. And then Paul says something along the lines of, is it okay if I kiss you? That is not how consent works, folks. No. You don't do and then ask. You know? Reverse. 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 What's that song? Reverse. Reverse. I don't know. Now, y'all. My, my, uh. Dances. Oh, yeah. That thing that they do at, like, prom. Oh, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Chacha Slide. Chacha Slide. Yeah. All my bar mitzvahs are coming back to me. We got there at the same time. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so obviously this was a depiction of how consent should not go. Um, and, yes, it was just a peck on the lips, but it's still an issue. Um, so I feel like the more and more that we're discussing this, the more and more and I realize this man, Robert, who wrote this film, he was not on, he, yeah, he was not on the right side of, of history. He no. Was, he was just writing something that he thought was going to, you know, make somebody. And, and then it did. Um, but then my issue is you're using the LGBT community as a piece of supporting evidence for why a young girl decides to slaughter an entire summer camp full of children and adults. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm so, not okay with that. Not okay with that. Um, we got there. We got there. We we finally we finally got through those feelings. So I'm glad that we figured that out. But so the 
the consent problem is obviously an issue. And then it's like, you know what? Never mind. I'll kiss you again. And now Angela's like kind of gotten a boyfriend. And now Judy's like, oh my God, Paul's your boyfriend. I want Paul. Yeah. Aunt was hoping that she would meet a boy there. And she was like, it's good to have a boyfriend. Like for all we know, that was something that happened in these characters' lives that was never, you know, put into tape. But like Aunt Martha. Whatever the frick her name is. It's Aunt Martha. Oh, it is Aunt Martha. Yeah. I did a quick Google because she's just so disturbing to me. I want to put a face to the name. Live updates, people. We have live updates here on Copulators Die First. Yeah. I mean, we're always just trying to get slightly ahead of ourselves. And like, and like, honestly, back to the whole Copulators Die First thing, technically, Copulator did die first here, you know? Um, Yeah. A really fucked up one, but it still happened. And and vengeance is swift in this movie. So, um, oh, it is so swift. And like that's the, that's the one thing that I like genuinely appreciated about this film was like it was such a slow burn. Yeah, like it was like at least an hour of bullshit mm-hmm. before you got to the meaty bits of like what this film really is in terms of being a slasher film. Right. And I think the other thing that I enjoy so much about this movie, which is why I do respect it, is, like, all of the kills happen so nonchalantly. You know, it's like, whatever, I'm killing you. Um, That shower scene. Yeah, so the shower scene, and and here's here's the thing. Going back to, like, why some of the kills I want to just call, like, violence scenes is because some of the things that happen that do ultimately end up, quote, killing one of the characters... In reality, I don't know if they actually would. So, um, except the shower scene, this is except the, the shower scene, the yeah. shower scene definitely killed Meg because she got multiple stab wounds to the spinal cord. Oh um, no, it was one singular stab wound from from top to bottom. It was oh, like right. it was so, it was not. I didn't care for it at all. Yeah, so that's obviously Ew. that's not survivable. But um, <laughs> no, no. My favorite example of something that, honestly, if this person wanted to live, if they just even tried a little bit, would have been okay, is the scene where the the boy, one of the boys that threw a water balloon at Angela and then needed to go to the bathroom, and then she drops the bee's nest into the bathroom stall with him. Mm-hmm. Most of the shots leading up to the actual bee's nest being dropped in through um, that window that she cut into um, shows very clearly, even if the door of that stall was locked, the amount of space between the floor and the bottom of that door, even my fat ass could have (laughs) crawled out of there. You'll figure it out. You know, even still, it's a bathroom stall. If you want to get out there bad enough, you could just kick through that lock. It's not that hard. It's a twist and a turn, my friend. Right. So, like, twists and turns. And, like, Angela did nothing to physically keep him in that stall. Like, she didn't come around the corner and, like, you know, put a, you know, broom through the handle or anything. Like, that boy wanted to die. Oh, yeah. He had a death wish. He could have survived that. And and ultimately, I don't know if he would have died unless he definitely had an allergy to bees, which 
was never established. I mean, if he did not have an allergy to bees, um, he probably would have been in great pain given how many bee stings he got. He would have been but, definitely uncomfortable for a right. while. He probably would have gone home early. Right. Like, he should have been rushed to the hospital. Um, but I don't think if he, unless he was allergic to bees, I think the amount of bee venom that would be needed to, like, stop a human heart would be, like, a lot. Like, a lot. So Yeah. Yeah. Unless been- you're going into, like, full-blown anaphylaxis, which, again, they never discussed his potential allergy sheet that this right. kid came with. But, like... I'm going to assume that's what happened because otherwise he should have survived. So, so homeboy anaphylactic shock. Oh my God. Bee stings dies. So that's that. Let, now let's move on to Judy's violence scene, <sighs> um, which honestly to me is one of the most iconic parts of this movie. Um, bitch got what she deserved. Uh, but many people attribute the hot curling iron up her vagine as the reason for her death but that is not the case here because Angela puts a pillow over her face to muffle her screams Mm -hmm. while she is basically cauterizing her vagine there's like uh I I can't with that it's like very like rape culture-y violence against women and like I can't like I get it I I get the shock value of that but like, like it's so fucking unnecessary in the grand scheme of, like, what this film represents. And now that we're on, you know, Bobby Hiltzik's, like, we know where you're at, bud. Like, we see you. And, like, you know, you're just, like, a shit heap of a guy at this point, in my opinion. I was going to say, let's remember a man wrote this movie. Um, I don't think if a woman wrote this movie, they would have been like, you know what's a good idea? To have a death scene where a hot curling iron is inserted into a woman. Yeah, let's let's do some hot curling iron rape. Right. That's so, not no. So long story short, that part certainly did not kill her. Um would it, it have it, caused it was, great pain? It was the asphyxiation is what Death, did her in. Right. And and what I have what 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 is hard for me to believe is that this thrashing this thrashing, you know, young teenager who is in likely good health had not at all the strength right back at all and just lay there while a curling iron was inserted inside of her Ugh, just and, a thought. and like because like angela like has one arm on the pillow over her face and then the other arm is doing its thing um also angela's like maybe 120 pounds right. she's exactly. a tiny thing and like her sole form of nutrition in this movie is like a non like non name brand candy bar. Like I don't think she's strong enough to cause this to happen. So, regardless, I was I was happy to see Judy die. Um, I don't like her, um, but I don't you care know, for her. That's correct. Ultimately, and I highly doubt this crossed this guy's mind at all whatsoever. But there are many cultures, especially in parts of Africa, where the mutilation of the female genitalia is done on purpose to make sure that, you know, sex before marriage, specifically for the reason of procreating, is not pleasurable for the woman. Um, 
And that to me is what the scene is akin to. Like, Oh, absolutely. Is definitely making sure that this girl who is probably a virgin because Judy has big talk and no game, um, is not going to enjoy when boys finally decide to stick it to her. Um, Oh yeah. So like, honestly, Bobby, Robert, (laughs) what was you thinking? I don't he know. wasn't. I think he was just going for like, you know, guts and gore factor, and it's like, mm, yeah. but you had to, to some degree, you had to at least acknowledge the overarching fact that this whole film is like psychological and physical female trauma. Exactly. Like that's really what's going on here, and like I like I think it's one of those times where a man unbeknownst to even himself, created a piece of cinema history that could be picked apart by many, many people for many, many reasons and many, many dissertations um, if they wanted to, you know? Um, So he ultimately, that was the swift vengeance of the universe on him writing this movie he ended up creating a movie that can spark conversations like this, which I don't think he would enjoy. So no, I think line, he's bottom line. Let's write Bobby a letter and tell him he sucks as a person. Yes. Fuck you, Bobby. Fuck um, Bobby. Uh, love your friends. Um, Ashley and Nick, but I don't think he likes us. So that's, um, fine. I don't want respectfully, to be his friend. To yeah, be not either. I don't either. Um, that's that. I totally agree with you um, on that. On that. But so, so yeah. So that that's really Judy's whole thing is probably the most problematic to me for many reasons, as just outlined. But um, you know, I think we don't need to drive the point home anymore. That this is a movie people should see for the experience. But, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a good movie. Um, You know, it's one of those movies that you should see just so you can say you had the experience, but you may not watch it again. And I will say I've never seen any of the sequels other than the second one. Um, I think, okay, we'll do that another episode, to be honest, because like, that's, that's like a whole other thing. That, like, I'm interested in talking about because I feel it's one of the few instances that a sequel is better than the first film. Exactly. And and I will say, fun fact, um, Bobby Hilsick, our, our now enemy, um, who wrote this original movie, uh, was not really involved in the creation, inception, or dissemination of any of the other films. It's probably for the best, and that's probably why it turned, the others turned out the way they did. I'm yeah. not going to vouch for, like, three or four, because I, I can't rightfully say I've seen them. Maybe bits and pieces of three. But um, I'm just glad Bobby Hilsick decided to put the pen and paper down and um, get a big boy job where he's not actually influencing my life. Yeah, I just... I, it doesn't make much sense to me that he went from this to lawyer. But whatever. I digress digressed uh so yeah i mean i guess what else do we have to talk about now but the the grand twist at the end uh 
So in the words of Laganja Estranja, <gasps> I wanted a twist, eh? Um, oh, give it to me. Give me a twist. We did get a twist in the sense that, oh, Angela is a boy? Question mark, exclamation. How did that happen? And now we get another horribly shot, uh, you know, cutback scene to auntie and did they ever even name the boy no 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 so the boy because angela's actually dead and the auntie and 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 auntie saying auntie martha something along the lines of oh what happened was so horrible but i already have a boy and another boy will will not do. It just simply will not do. Yeah, I need a little girl. Ugh. So your name is Angela now, and you're a girl. And, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, in the throes of the PTSD of losing the two closest people he had to himself, he was just like, "Well, this is it. This is this is as good as it's gonna get." Perhaps I I, I feel like perhaps there was a great deal of medication involved in this indoctrination. Especially uh, when she alludes to being able to prescribe medication right. so nonchalantly. Right. Because ultimately, I feel like the only way this boy ended up feeling like it was normal for him to be living as a girl named Angela in his aunt's house was through some type of incessant psychological torture. Oh, yeah. Um. And I feel like maybe we're getting too far deep into this. I don't think Bobby really thought about this all that hard when he made this script. But No, I think he just threw it together and that was just going to be how it was going to be. Right. I don't think and there so, was any thought process associated with the um, un- untucking of Angela. Exactly. Ooh, the untucking of Angela. That should be the name of like a documentary for this movie series. Oh, That's- yeah. Uh, I'm into it. Maybe that'll uh, be the name of this episode. <gasps> <gasps> Bum, ooh, ooh, ooh. History being created in front of your ears. Uh oh. Uh, uh, I'm about it. But yeah. So 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 ultimately, I think my biggest problem with this movie, as a member of the LGBT community in 2018, with multiple friends who live on the spectrum of gender fluidity, uh, you know, trans, uh, all the things, um, who are affluent and very productive, supportive members of society, uh, this asshole Bobby used basically Angela slash unnamed boy living as a girl in a genetically male body as the ultimate twist to his slasher flick. Um, also ultimately then essentially saying that Angela slash unnamed boy living as a girl, even though she is genetically male was probably the biggest factor in this person snapping um, and causing all this havoc to begin with. And I think ultimately a big point of this movie is that this is the first time Angela's like, out of the constraints of her aunt's house. So she just wreaks havoc because she can. Like she chops up a whole bunch of small children that pushed her in a lake. And like, sure, a lot of the people that Angela 
did ultimately kill uh, did deserve to not live anymore. I think ultimately I'm talking about the chef again because he's yeah he, he's gross. Chef Artie, you piece of mm-hmm. shit. But like, what did Paul do? Like, she hacked his head off of his body. What did Paul? I think do? you know. I think Paul was just a victim of really right. shitty circumstances. I, I feel was- like maybe Paul kissing Judy in the woods was just far too much for right. Angela. And like, I get it. I get you know Angela like letting down those walls of like vulnerability and trying to connect with another human. Um, outside of her comfort zone of Ricky and Aunt Martha. And then, you know, this shit heap of a, you know, 12-year-old boy that's going to do what 12-year-old boys do did exactly what was expected of him. And, like, it really just kind of, like, oh, just kind of, like, broke her little heart a little bit. And then she was kind of like, well, you got to die now. Sorry. Hmm. I'd like to step back for a moment and applaud you how succinctly you just described Angela and where she's coming from. That was great. I enjoyed Thank that. Thank um, you. But so, you know, so now, uh, just so we can get this the frick over with, we're now at the final moments of this movie. Um, Muscle Boy runs out of the woods with one of the surviving female camp counselors, and he's like, oh, my God, it's a boy. Like, uh, yeah. And, and then and credits. Credits. So now, um, but like, you know, oh, my God, it's a boy, like, full frontal nudity. Full frontal nudity, like that was definitely a full body cast. I know that I know that they did a cast of Angela's face because they obviously had to create a dingling for a body that was not this female actress's body. Right. Um, and I find it very hilarious the cut shots between the actual actress with the gaping mouth and like these like weird guttural, like animalistic screams. And then, like, the puppet version of her. Um, oh, yeah. And, like, and I oh, think... That's, uh, that's yeah, a that's, gas wiener. Yeah. And so, and, and like, that's, that's one of the delicious moments in this movie. Like, that is just, like, that's horror. Like, yeah. in the 80s, you're doing what you have to to create the visuals that you want. Um, but getting back to the whole trans issue, um, it really, really really irks me that ultimately we're never going to get an answer from Bobby. But I think that's where he was thinking that he could put Angela's intentions that because she had all this weird stuff happen to her, um, this is why she's crazy. And it really offends me that it offends me. I agree. And it offends me that he, instead of, um, taking the time to address again, it's 1983, but instead of taking the time to address the mental health aspect of post-traumatic stress disorder and um, possibly manic depression and um, over medication that's just freely prescribed to you, um, he just took the easy route and was like, "Well, um, she was forced into you know living a female lifestyle in a male body." She's got to be a killer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, 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 hunty. That's not, that's, that's like bottom shelf. Like reach a little higher, do a little better for yourself in the community. Yes. And and so, I mean, again, it's 1983. So a lot of these issues are very, very much not in any type of spotlight in the general public. I totally get that. Um, 
But it's still surprising to me that no one really said a goddamn thing about that being a major plot point. I think more so now than in the 80s. Oh, um, for sure. You know, um, I will say, looking at the reviews, um, there's one where someone was quoted as saying, while most of the gender-bending stories, sexual confusion is ultimately half-fake, um, it's distinctive enough to be warranted as required viewing for genre enthusiasts. Okay, cool. But no one is still even mentioning the fact that while it's half-baked, it's also fucking offensive. So yeah. that's yeah. the last thing I will say about that because there will be no swift justice here, you know. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it has quickly fallen down my list of, like, favorite horror movies. For oh, a lot for of sure. That we have outlined here. Um, so ultimately, I would say see it, uh, but otherwise, go fuck yourself. See Robert. it, take it, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. No, listen to this before you watch it, maybe or don't. I I think this movie is kind of trash. I think the I I mean like I enjoy it as a trash film. Exactly. But like, um, but it just it just primes the way for Sleepaway Camp Two, which blew this out of the water. And we'll we'll get to that another time. But yeah. and like I I am excited I, to get to that. My wife actually enjoyed. Sleepaway Camp 2 more than she likes Sleepaway Camp 1. And we just kind of like recently rewatched them together, at least the first one. And then she watched the second one. I was like, oh, that was actually uh, not terrible. And right. For her, that's saying a lot. Yeah. Because the other thing about the second one is like the character of Angela is almost like it's completely different. Like a lot of the weird things from this first one have been like wiped away. I feel like over the course of this conversation, my opinion on this movie has very quickly declined but regardless um what i'd like to do is now just very briefly talk about the moments that we find iconic and okay. um as i said i have a feeling we're gonna have the same idea here but just in general auntie um she is she is any she's any actress that a gay man would fall in love with and worship their work um she is extra she is over the top. Um, she is ultimately unnecessary, but very nice, necessary at the same time. So uh, for me, Auntie is iconic. Auntie and Martha is rather iconic. And like to a degree, she she irks me in a necessary way. And <laughs> I find myself craving and wanting more of her in the instance of, like, information, por favor. Like, give me something. Right. Like, give me something to work with other than the bare minimum. Uh, what is iconic for you in this film? Um, shit. Uh, I want to say it just Judy's iconic, sassy mm. bitch girl, like, why don't you want to talk to me? And, like, physically gets violent about it like the idea that someone doesn't like her or doesn't want anything to do with her is just so revolting to her that she has to resort to physical violence 
Yeah, she does make every line extra. There's a lot of hair flipping. There's a lot oh of Oh my god, she's like very big side pony. Like Yes. And there's just there her her facial her facial language is just it's so much. You're she right. says more with her body with, yes, than with she her does body, with her mouth. With her eyes. But oh. like a lot of times conflicting messages that we're getting from her. So um uh, yeah, no, that is iconic. Yeah. She's um, an iconic mean girl. She's the OG Regina George. This has been a harrowing journey. I did not expect for this conversation to be so aggressive, but I'm glad we went there. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we took this journey together to sleepaway camp. Yeah. I'm glad we unpacked it all. Um, um, my Yelp review <laughs> is going to say I am not coming back to Camp Arawak. Never. Never, never again. again. Um, so with that, uh, Ashley, do you want to unveil your pick for the next episode? Ooh, okay. Um, my pick for episode three is Rob Zombie's 2003 cult classic, House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes. I still haven't watched it, so, uh, it's it's going to be fresh and new for me. I'm very excited. This is the this is probably one of the only times that it's going to be a fresh and new experience for me because uh, we've seen a lot of the movies that we've seen together. So um, I'm excited. I'm probably going to watch it right after we're done recording. Excellent. What a great uh, way to spend your Saturday. Absolutely. And with um, my good friend, Dr. Satan. So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of Rob Zombie's work, especially the the new um, Halloween. Uh, oh, Okay, we'll unpack that some other time then. <laughs> gonna, we have so much to unpack. We're only on episode two. There's literally so much to unpack here. There's a there's so, a journey ahead of us, and I'm really glad we're taking it together. Um, and and America listeners across the world, etc. Um, I hope you are here with us. Um, hopefully, uh, you are not going to run away. Um, you're going to stay with us on this journey that of a, a thousand or more miles. I don't know. I don't um, know. That's a lot. But anywho, um, damn, I'm like physically exhausted from that conversation. I know. It pisses it me a off. a lot out of me. Yeah. I hate sleepaway camp. I love it, but I hate it. I don't want to go back to camp, mom, ever. Never. I'm not Never, going back. ever. Um, so with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Stay yeah. creepy, my friends. Stay tuned. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe. Um check out our Instagram because Nick's just always <laughs> for lack of a better term, killing it on the oh, Instagrams. Thank you, my dear. The Instagram. I'm so proud is, of you. Oh, thank you. Um, the Instagram is at populators die first, all one word. Um, you can also email us your thoughts. We'd love to start incorporating uh, listeners ideas into the episodes, especially about like the movie before We'll talk about it at the top of the next episode. Um, our email address is copulators die first podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Um, and that is that. So, as Ashley said, stay creepy, my friends. We're going to have to work on the outro. We'll figure but- it out. We're just ironing out the kinks, man. It's okay.